You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Lord, thank you for such a generous church family. I, I am so grateful to do life and be a part of a community that genuinely cares for other people, loves people, is willing to give of their time and relationships and, yes, resources so that other people can have the hope that we sing about and experience here every Sunday morning. And so, Lord, as we prepare to open your word now, would you speak into our hearts and lives? Would you help us to know you better, to be more like you, to love like you do, to proclaim truth, to extend grace the way you have to each one of us? So make your word come alive to us as Gary comes now and speaks to us. And we ask this in the strong name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. So Gary, come up with God's word. I do have another question for you, Jay. You have another question? I have another question for you. I will answer your question most likely with a question. So go ahead. uh, Our spending was down by quite a bit. Yeah. Is that because you didn't spend all the money in the pastor's plaid shirt budget? <laughs> is, is that is that the reason? I, I know it's oh, a substantial man. budget. Wow. I mean, it's, it's quite a budget. Wow. On second pastors... thought, we're done. I'm going to pray, and you have a great <laughs> afternoon. We're looking for a new a new preacher. Yeah. You know, did you notice I, I you probably not close enough to you. I kind of have a black eye, and I've been revising the story based on what I need eye. to tell yeah. people. So this Let is because Gary and I disagreed theologically, totally. and so he hit me. So. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, no, um, all I own is plaid, so that's why I wear this. So do I need to change that? We could talk about that. I heard it, yes. Yes, please. Wow. So glad we talk about meaningful, significant spiritual things here at Grace, right? Wow. Gary, thank you. Please bring God... Kind of thank you. Kinda, thank yes. you for bringing yes. God's word to us this morning. I've heard this message in the last hour. You need to hear this. It's a powerful one. <laughs> yes. We do have a lot of fun around here. I, so we're just beginning the story in John. And, you know, as I think about things, I mean, some of you, a lot of you have been praying for me with the melanoma. Uh, the nurse who gave me the infusion last week turned us on to the, it's a documentary called Breakthrough. It's a story of Jim Allison, the guy who developed immunotherapy that became available in general thing for th- about three years ago. And uh, had I gotten the diagnosis I did a year ago, stage four metastatic melanoma in my lungs and brain, it would have been nine months to live in the last half of those nine months would have been horrible. Uh, but because of Jim Allison and his team, the Obdivo has completely contained my cancer, and so I'm going and having a lot of fun. Kidding, Jay is one of those. Yeah. So I, I, do, I do quite a bit of traveling of, with my job at the seminary to teach, and one of the things I've decided to do more recently is when I introduce myself, I get I'm a pastor early on in an introduction. I know a lot of pastors that introduce themselves as management consultants because they don't want to be labeled as a pastor. Uh, but I find I get some interesting responses. I was in an Uber in Sacramento here a while back and uh, told the pastor, oh, I was in San Jose. I told, the past- I told him I was a pastor, and the guy immediately started confessing his sins to me. <laughs> he picked up another rider who was sitting in the front, I was sitting in the back, and he just kept on. I mean, he wanted to get them all out while he pastored the car with him. Okay, here we go. 
uh, and I've added a lot of responses. But one guy said, oh, yeah, I love Jesus too. Well, I'm the sort of guy that wants to know a little more about that. So I said, well, tell me about this Jesus you love. You know, I'm interested. And, oh, yeah, he's so good. He loves everybody. He's completely non-judgmental. And I said, hmm. Uh, when you say not judgmental, I mean, what did, how did, what did that do for you? And he started listing off a bunch of stuff about half of what he listed was stuff that's sin in the Bible. Non-judgmental, huh? Hmm. I don't think you quite understand what Jesus is about. But who is this Jesus that we worship? I mean, that is an absolutely central question. Absolutely central question. And that's what John's gospel is about. That's where we're going to spend a lot of time over this next year or so unpacking this incredibly rich gospel. Uh, and so we're doing it together. So this is our third sermon in the series. So if you want to grab your Bible or look out on the screen here, I'm going to read the first 18 verses just to put our passage 14 through 18 in context. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He became as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor human husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, calling. This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God, as in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. A lot to ponder here. A lot to ponder here. It begins here. This is actually from the sermon Jay did two weeks ago, which you all remember perfectly, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. In the beginning was the word. He was with God in the beginning. What beginning is that that John's referring to? Well, it's clearly the Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. And that's a time when God created the heaven and earth in a way of saying he created everything uh, in the beginning, did it out of nothing. That's the beginning. Now let's put this in poetic form because it is a three-strophe poem, really. 
And we talk about in the beginning, the key word in this first phrase is us. Now, you have to know that Mrs. Johnson lives in my head. Mrs. Johnson, a ninth grade grammar teacher. She could rightly be called a grammar Nazi, except that would not be strong enough. I've tried to exercise her for a long time. She will not go. I can do demons. I cannot do Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> what can I say? So Mrs. Johnson wants to know, past, present, or future? Past. Mm -hmm. Past point or past existing? Usually past existing continuous, and that's what it is here. So in the beginning was the word. That's John's phrase. Goes back to Genesis. In the beginning, God created. I actually think Adam probably wrote this. Moses stitched it together in the Pentateuch. And that creation, well, that's everything. And all the history comes out of that is the creation of, of God. What about the word? And see, so what John is telling us is that when that was created, the word is already existing. Which is to say the, well, I say it like this. At the time all created things were created, the word was already in continuing existence. No beginning, no end, ongoing, was-ness. First phrase. Second phrase. Okay, now. Let me ask you, what's the key new word in the second phrase? A word is there in the first phrase. What's in the second phrase? Well, God shows up, that's good, in the word with. So with God. Now it's saying the word is with God. And there, without digging in as much, that with is a with of face-to-face -face relationships. One of the things that Sherry and I have done a good part of our married life, my pretty wife and me, is we pray together at night as a part of our bedtime routine. And when we do that praying together, it is a with thing. We lay together, we hold each other, we pray together. It's a with and face-to-face -face relationships. And what this is saying is the word is with the God who created everything. So at the time when all created things were created, the word was already in continuing face-to-face -face intimate relation with the God who created everything. Line two. Line three. The word was God. There's some stuff we could dig in here, but I won't go into everything. The thing it's saying here, Mrs. Johnson wants you to know that that's a predicate nominative. Right, A predicate nominative has two nouns connected by a form of the verb to be. And it says the first has the characteristic of the second. And what it's saying here is the word has the essential characteristics of God who created everything. This is saying here, that at the time all created things were created, the word is already in continuing existence with the very characteristics of the God who created everything. Three lines, and it's just packed with foundational. And we want to know, who is this word? Because we started from, this is just verse 1. And so I look at this, in the beginning was the word, 
It's eternal existence. The second line, do you have it memorized already? The word was with God, and that's speaking to eternal relationship. The third line, the word was God, speaking to eternal deity. So if you're taking notes on the note cards, those are the words you fill in there. This word, it's saying, has always existed with eternal existence. He has always existed in eternal relationship with the very God who created the entire universe, face-to-face, intimate relationship, and he has the very characteristics of deity, fully God. That's what this thing, one verse, it is packed. And we've got about 2,000 more verses to go. Fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> Just so rich, so rich. So the word. Now this is verse 14. What was the key verb in verse 1? Was. What's the key verb in verse 14? Became. See, now that's a kind of a shocking thing. Because you talk about God, you don't think about God becoming something else. You think of God being or God acting, but God becoming is like weird. It's like when you saw something becoming, it means becoming conformed to. Or become can mean change one way of living. Now, yesterday I had the very fun thing to have a part in a wedding of Eric and Cynthia. I've been doing their premarital. I've, they're both friends and now they're husband and wife. Do you think there's any change in Eric's life now that he's a married man? Say yes. (laughs) Yes, of course. And watching them yesterday in the joyous ceremony, and I got to do a prayer blessing there and such, just amazing. It'll be a happy change, but it's absolutely a big change. Ask Jay about Kylan and his wedding that came up. I just watched the two of them out there, and they're kind of lovey-dovey kind of stuff. You know, it's... (laughs) That's why we talk about becoming. It's a change of status, a change of being, change of way of life. And we're talking about God changing his way of life to what? To what? Flesh? Wait a minute. God is God. Flesh is creation. This is from Genesis chapter 2. Just to give us a piece of what flesh means... The Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was asleep, he took part of the man's side, that woman came from that, and closed up the place with flesh. What is this saying? God did something in Adam's side, woman came from that, and he did a skin graft. That's what flesh is. A couple of verses later, he's talking about Adam and Eve, First humans, why a man leaves his father and mother is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now, flesh here does not mean skin. Flesh means active body. So he looked this up in the dictionary. Flesh can mean the material that covers the bones of a human or an animal, skin. It can be physical body as a functioning entity. Or it can be one who becomes a physical being a living being with flesh. Now, this is God. God becomes 
like flesh? In John chapter 6, Jesus is going to talk to the people and he's going to say, unless you eat my flesh, and they accuse him of cannibalism. Because that's what he's talking about. This stuff here. Flesh. Flesh. The word became flesh. It became concrete humanity. The word becomes concrete humanity? This is God. What in the world? Now we're kind of used to it because we've been around the church for a while. Most of you have. But this is literally unbelievable. When you look at the Greek pantheon, Zeus comes off of Mount Olympus, comes down to the ordinary people in the city, and he comes down to kill a few people, just to have some fun and killing, and then go to the after party, get drunk, and have some time with some winches. You know, it's that kind of stuff. And then he goes out to Mount Olympus. Or Vishnu, and is there other kinds of things? But this is a whole different thing. This is fully conformed to concrete humanity and made his dwelling. Made his dwelling. This isn't a brief visitation. He lived here. Now, if you were first century Jewish folk, you would read this in Greek and you would quickly hyperlink back to the Old Testament. You would hyperlink back to places like Exodus 25. This is where Moses and God are on the mountain talking about a design for a building. And he says this, Then I will have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell. Okay, Mrs. Johnson again. Past, present, and future. We've got a division of the house. <laughs> I will dwell future. It's a promise. Make this sanctuary and I will dwell with them and make this tabernacle and all it's furnished exactly like I tell you. Now the thing you can't see in English is that that word tabernacle Mrs. Johnson wants you to know that that is a participle. You all were worried about that weren't you? But here's the thing. If we translate it literally we'd say dwelling. It's the same word. Shakan becomes Mishkan. It's a participle, so dwell in the dwelling. And they would know this very, very well because the tabernacle is central to their faith and central to their memory. So you bring this into John. The word became flesh and made his dwelling. So what could you put there in place of dwelling? We could put tabernacle. And what is the tabernacle? That's that tent with them through the wilderness and in the early days of their worship. And God was in the Holy of Holies, fully present in the Holy of Holies. And people come in and have communion with him. And the high priest once a year could come into the Holy of Holies. And that's what we're talking about. Made his tabernacle among us. The word became flesh and tabernacled, tented with us. Amazing. Not for a brief visit, long term. Verse 14, the word became flesh dwelt among us and we've seen his glory. What kind of glory? The glory of the one and only Son. He came into the darkness to bring God's greatest glory. And when Jay preached this, he talked about that and did it very well. He talks about this one who comes, brings, and gives us life. This one comes and gives us meaning. This one comes and gives us hope because he's bringing light and life into a place of darkness and death and despair. 
That's what we're talking about, that one, God's greatest glory. Add on verse 16 here, and what we see here is grace and truth. Now, in English, grace means nice. Truth means in your face, right? I speak with grace, and I'm nice. I speak with truth, and bam. Well, that's not the way it is in, in Greek or Hebrew. Those two are virtually synonyms. Well, let's unplay a little bit because we get grace in place of grace. There's been a lot of grace for the Old Testament. Now there's more because the word has become flesh. And let's again play with this just a little bit because this grace and truth comes from here, grace. Now, I'm going to play with you just a little bit. Is that okay? Say yes. Okay. You can do it anyway, so may as well say yes. <laughs> so you look at grace and you go back to the Hebrew, it's kataris. Sorry, that's Greek. And if you go back to the Hebrew behind that, it's hanun. And hanun, that's the word in the Old Testament, it's a fairly common word. Hain is the base word. Hanun is a little different form of the same word. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. Yanes, you all know what that is, don't you? Janes, if you, I, if you Germanize and Englishize it, that's John. Who is John who gives witness to the one who became full of grace and truth? Well, he is grace man. Grace man gives witness to grace that's come fully in the word become flesh. This is kind of word plays are just all over the place in here. Truth, well, the Greek is aletheos. We, get, we have a number of places where aletheia is used as a word in English. The Greek is emet, and these two come together. Now, here's the thing. If you do your hyperlinking, those are critical words in the most quoted verse in the Bible by the Bible. It's where God shows up and introduces himself to Moses as in this is who I am, as Moses is in the cleft of the rock. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, Hanun. So to anger abounding in faithfulness and truth, emit. And see what this is saying when he says that the word is full of grace and truth. He's saying he's full of Yahweh. He's full of the Lord. When he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, he's saying he is full of Yahweh. The Exodus 34, compassionate and gracious God. That's who's here. And he is full of grace and truth. It's easy to miss this, but you see the connections. You see the profound thing that Jesus is saying. Even though he is flesh, concretely human, he is still full of Yahweh. Grace. Now, in English, the word means, well, the sentence is like this. Hey, come on, show me a little grace. What does grace mean in that sentence? Like, get it, let me get away with it. Come on, be gracious. Not what it means, never means that in the Bible. Never means that in the Bible. What it means in Scripture is things like help. When God shows you grace, he is showing you helpfulness despite your sin. That's what grace is in the Bible. Grace means acceptance. 
he will accept you into his family even though you're really seriously not worthy of it. You're an enemy. That acceptance, not approval. Acceptance and approval are different things, but he will accept you into his family even though you're a real, not an asset on his liability sheet. It means he's kind. Key characteristics of God in the universe is he is kind in his incredible power. When you say he's grace, you mean that he has love in the sense of self-giving, self-sacrificing, help that's given. And, of course, it means power to do good. If you are full of grace, it means you have power in you to do good. Stephen, one of the seven deacons in Acts chapter 6, is described as a man full of grace. It means he had full of power to do good. That's what grace means. It never means giving a pass on sin, like it means in English. Never, ever. It does mean he'll help you deal with your sin. It does mean you accept his family despite your sin. How about truth? We think of truth and we think, well, what does truth mean today? Who knows? It means reliability in Scripture. When Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life, it means you can rely on me. It means that faithful to what he says he will do. When he says full of grace and truth, it means there's integrity. How much do we long for integrity, and especially in public officials today? There are many of them, but a lot of them aren't. Truth means honesty instead of hypocrisy. Truth really fundamentally means, lastly, is factual. That's the least important that is factually correct. When you say full of grace and truth, it means it's full of helpfulness and full of faithfulness and kindness. And you can rely on this one to be true to what he says. That's what I mean, full of grace and truth. That's, that's all in the word become flesh. I'm intrigued by this, 18. No one's ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God. Now, there's a textual problem here in the Greek text. It's one of the places we're not sure what the original was. NIV puts it all in here. But some of the translation, King James translates that blue as only begotten Son. Son is the kid. Begotten means birthed. So it's uh, in many cases applied to the Father and Son in the Trinity, in the classic confessions. The Christian Standard Bible, a very good contemporary translation, one and only Son. So begotten gives way to unique. It's genao versus genos in Greek. If you look in the New American Standard Bible, it's only begotten God. Because is this word son, huios, or God, theos? That this is God, the one who is begotten, is hard to deal with, so apparently somebody changed it early on and made it huios, son. Are you confused yet? The ESV has just bottom line, only God. The New Revised Standard says God, the only son. You can see they're trying to get at this textual and translational problem. What's the best translation available? What's the best translation available today? The GEB translation. Gary Everett Brashear's translation. 
There's no such thing. But I would translate it this way, God the only born. Because I think this refers to what Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary, where God became flesh in her womb. I think it's talking about the birth of the conception of Jesus. And that, that baby in her womb from the moment of conception is God in the flesh, Emmanuel. I think that's what it's getting at here. So I'm going to change the Bible. Is that okay? No one has ever seen God, but God the only born who is in closer relation with him has made him known. God is the only born God explainer. Jesus is the one who is born to become flesh to explain God because he is God come in the flesh. We have seen his glory. Glory of the only son who came from the father. But verse 18 here says no one has ever seen God. Immediately I think of some of these Old Testament stories. Exodus 33, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud, that's God, who was guiding him through, would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. That this happened regularly is true of no one else in Scripture, not even Jesus. We only have him on the Mount of Transfiguration doing this. So we take that. Lord, to speak to Moses face to face, the one speaks to a friend. Incredible intimacy. And Moses says this, show me your glory. He's speaking face to face. The man speaks with a friend and he wants more. I want to see your glory, God. And God said, I'll call my goodness to pass in front of you. I'll complain my name, Lord, in your presence. But you can't see my face. No one may see me and live. I'd burn you like the sun. The Lord said, there's a place near where you can stand on a rock. When the glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back, but my face must not be seen. And that leads to Exodus 34, the verse I had up a little bit ago. Moses cannot see the glory of God. But we have seen his glory. Where? God the only born, who is closest relation to the Father, Trinitarian relation together, has made him known. And the thing I see here, that the only born God explainer, what this says, and it's astonishing when you think about it, in Jesus, we see the greatest glory of God, glory Moses could only get a glimpse of. And we see it real in Jesus. Astonishing. Astonishing. Worship team, you want to come up here? We're going to sing here in just a minute. When I think about this, where do I go to hear the truth? Where do I go to hear the truth? What's the right answer? Yeah, Scripture, voice of God through the Holy Spirit. But I find myself asking, how much time do I spend meditating on Scripture? 
how do I spend, how much time do I, in this meditative wisdom literature, do I spend pondering the kind of stuff I'm just taking through here? How much time do I spend listening in communities of grace to the voice of God compared to how much time I spend on social media keeping up on the crap that's in our world? Where do I go for truth? Which judges which? Do I judge the Bible as unaccepted, or does the Bible judge me as things that God wants to change? Who is Jesus to me? The guy I talked to had a really not good picture of Jesus. There's a piece you want to do the pastor thing, get a big black Bible and just whack him with it. I didn't. I just encourage him to read more and listen more. What's glorious to me? I mean, there's all kinds of glorious stuff. But what is the glorious thing? What is the highest focus of your pondering? I'd like to think at Grace Community Church, for a lot of us, it would be the triune God in Jesus Christ. But really, is it? When you think of your real practices? And see, part of the reason that we have the communities of grace is to do better at that. We come together here. But communities of grace go that step deeper. Because what we do is we gather to be full of it. <laughs> what are we full of? Why do we gather here to be full of? What are we wanting to be full of? Grace and truth. We want to be full of grace and truth. Whether it's a big gathering like this, or a smaller gathering, or a ministry team, or communities of grace, or the prayer groups that will be up here at the end of our service. Because what we want to do is we want to disperse so we can extend grace and truth to a world that's in desperate, desperate need of it. Because we know that the Word became flesh to dwell among us to show us grace and truth. Indeed, this is our God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God at any time, but the only born Son who is in the bosom of the Father has explained Him so we can find hope and healing and forgiveness and truth. When Sean finished his sermon last week, he said, we need to recognize Jesus for who He is. We need to receive Him to be children of God. We need to respond to his grace. We need to reflect that grace to others so that they can do it. And we're in a world where virtues have become values that can be negotiated, where character has been replaced in many cases by personality. We live in that kind of a world where what's in it for me is more important than anything else. We live in a world where people go into a context and it's like they're looking for a fight. And minor disagreements become cage fights on Twitter. Yeah. How different if we come in full of grace and truth, looking, knowing that God is at work in this place and look for what he's doing and how we can be a help to his agenda to bring truth and hope and grace and unity. Yeah. Because we know this one.
The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. I want to pray a prayer blessing over you. There are prayer teams up in front. Uh, next steps is in the cafe next door if you want to talk further. You know, we want you to be transformed because of this presence. So let me pray over you. Holy Spirit, grace us that our life together as Grace Community Church may be a sign of the compassion, grace, love, faithfulness, forgiveness, and justice of Yahweh, the divine character that led to the Word becoming flesh, to tabernacle in this sinful and broken world. Father, may we as the body of Christ live that unity may overcome estrangement, live that forgiveness may heal guilt and joy conquer despair. We pray these things through Jesus Christ our Lord, the Word become flesh, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Go change the world with grace and truth. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.